0: Blog Talk Radio You are listening to PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. This is Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist. Today we are talking about prophecy in the Book of Revelation. This program is all about unlocking secrets in the Book of Revelation. Thank you for being with me and with us. As you may know, in June of 2023, we have analysis and discussion of the sixth statement of prophecy, in other words, the sixth vision shown to John the Revelator when he was called up to heaven. This prophecy, the earth reap prophecy, appears in the book of Revelation in chapter 14, verses 6 to 20. Of chapter 14 of the book of Revelation are the earth reaped prophecy last month in May of 2023 we talked about the 144,000 fruits prophecy that's verses 1 to 5 of chapter 14 and today we're focused on the harvest the harvest so what does it mean for the earth to be reaped and where do we get that language from why am Uh, Why am I saying the earth reaped prophecy? Well, if you look in this prophecy, again, we're in Revelation chapter 14. There's discussion about the earth being harvested, the earth being reaped. When Jesus Christ returns, the soon coming coming of Jesus Christ, often referred to as the second coming, he will reap a harvest. And this harvest is the forever family. The forever family in the flesh that is Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh, getting his forever family in the flesh, present with him in the flesh on this present earth. That's the marriage of the lamb when Jesus Christ is able to unite with his forever family. In other words, every person who transitions from mortality to immortality, every person who puts on an incorruptible, peak performance, glorified, perfected body, just like the one that he has. So today, Jesus Christ is present in heaven. In heaven, he sits, the Bible tells us, at the right hand of the Father on his own throne. And with him are the believers who have died. How do we know that? We're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that when he returns, he will bring with him the believers who have died. Now, how is he bringing them with him? They are alive. They are alive. But instead of being three in one, they are two in one. What does that mean? Every human being presently on the earth is three in one. Body. That's one, spirit, two, soul, three. Now, that I'm just uh, enumerating these three parts, not giving them in a particular order. So every human being present on the earth today is three in one, body, spirit, and soul. When a person falls asleep, in other words, when a person experiences the first death, when uh, a person dies, and the Bible repeatedly, more than a dozen times, refers to... Death is falling asleep, and the reason is, is because every human being, every human being will be resurrected either at time one, that's the second coming, referred to in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, or at the second resurrection, referred to in in the book of Revelation chapter 20, that's the resurrection for the remainder of the dead. That's what John the Revelator says. The remainder of the dead aren't resurrected until the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth has come to a close. In other words, the government doesn't come to a close. It's forever, but the first thousand years uh, has been completed. So the second resurrection for the remainder of the dead. Everyone who missed the first resurrection. Everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Everyone who uh, is a goat. Every person who is among the weeds or the tares. Every person who is among the bad fish who will be thrown out rather rather than the good fish who will be kept. Everyone who uh, was not a part of the earth being reaped at the time of the second coming. So this prophecy that we're about to hear, it tells us what happens to those who are on the earth. Now, we need to understand the purpose of our lives. So... God wanted a forever family. And so he created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were instructed to procreate. And all of the descendants and Adam all of the descendants that will come out of Adam and Eve, all the descendants of Adam and Eve, their purpose, each one, including you and me our purpose is to become a member of God's forever family in other words to become a member of the royal race described in the book of revelation in the new earth prophecy revelation chapters 21 to verse 5 of revelation chapter 22 so you say what's the royal family that's every person who lives three in one in an immortal body and a body just like the one Jesus Christ inhabited when he rose from the dead, lived on this present earth for 40 days and ascended into the clouds and up into heaven where he resides up until this moment, until his second coming. In other words, until he returns to the present earth at the appointed hour in time. So what does it mean to be a part of God's forever family? It means that an individual transitions from mortality to immortality. In other words, the individual puts on a peak performance body, a body free of DNA errors, a body that will never, ever have Multiple sclerosis, a body that will never, ever experience Alzheimer's, a body that will never have mental confusion, a body that will never have weak knees, a bad back, poor, poor eyesight, bad vision. Uh, a body that will never be hard of hearing, a body that will never have missing limbs, a peak performance body, God's will is that you put on your peak performance body, that you transition from mortality to immortality. Jesus Christ broke the power of death and illuminated the path to immortality. So what's the path to immortality? It's outlined in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. The consequence of following God's plan for salvation is eternal life. What's eternal life? Eternal life is living in an eternal body, an immortal body, a peak performance body, a perfected body, a body that has none of the consequences of the sins of your foremothers and forefathers. Have you noticed that illness tends to run in families? Cancer runs in families. Schizophrenia runs in families. Heart disease tends to run in families. The list goes on and on. If you don't believe me, think about the last doctor's appointment you had or the last doctor doctor's appointment, doctor's appointment that you participated in. Maybe you went with uh, a husband or wife or child or friend. And you know they ask a lot of questions. It used to be that they asked you orally and they wrote it down. Now they want you to fill all that that out before you come to your appointment so they can fit in more patients in the same finite period of time. And so they ask all kinds of questions, and a large number of questions are about... What has happened in your family? Because even the secular world understands that the consequences of sin are in the blood and are in the DNA. So you and I, we need the DNA of Jesus Christ. The DNA of Jesus Christ has no sin debt. It is completely sinless. It is free of sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. In other words, sin's wage is death. In other words, the consequence of sin is death. But if running through your body and running through your veins is blood that has no sin, that means that you are in Christ. So every person who dies in Christ will ultimately, and specifically at the time of the second coming, transition from mortality to immortality, putting on his or her peak performance body. Let's hear it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's reported in verses 13 to 17 I want to go directly to verse 14 it says in first Thessalonians chapter 4 for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again we also believe that when Jesus returns God will bring back with him the believers who have died now You say, okay, he, he brought them back, but where's the part where they transition from mortality to immortality? Maybe they're just going to be in their spirit form, two in one spirit and soul. Well, let's keep going. Verse 15 says, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Let's hear it again. Part, the second part of verse 16 in First Thessalonians chapter 4 says, First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. So let's reconcile these uh, two concepts. Number one, in verse 14 it says, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Then in verse 16, it says, first, the believers who have died will rise from their grave. So how is he bringing them back with him from heaven, which is above, if they are rising from their grave, which is here on the earth and below? So for those who are in heaven, they reside as Individuals who are two-in-one disembodied spirits. So when they come back with Jesus Christ, their immortal bodies, which are tagged to a specific individual, those bodies have the DNA of those individuals, those molecules, which may be as large as a molecule can be. They're, they're, the Some people have bodies that have decompose to the point where they there there are only nanoparticles particles so small that neither you nor myself nor uh any person who has eyes can perceive the particles That are a part of that person's body And in fact Those particles may exist In a myriad of places On the earth right Think about a body That has been decomposing And has been been in the earth For 2,000 years Some bodies have been In the earth for a day Some five years Some 525 years But God In his omniscience God knows everything Those Particles will be reconstituted. You say, well, how is this possible? It's not science fiction. It's science fact. There's no scientist who knows more than Jesus Christ. He's the best singer. He's the best artist. He's the best dancer. He's the best scientist. He's the best teacher. He's the best carpenter. Why? He's God manifest in the flesh. So, All believers who have died, their bodies will rise up from their graves, whether it's a grave in the earth or the body is in the sea. Wherever those particles are, they will come together. They will reconstitute in the same way that a body was knit together in a mother's womb. Those bodies will be knit together at the time of the second coming and the DNA will be free of errors. And so the body will be knit together and that body in its adult form, in its adult formation will be an improved version of the body that the individual inhabited at the time he or she lived on the earth. So, if a person for example, was born with webbed feet. The person will have perfect feet. If the person had uh, was blind, the person will be free of blindness. If the person had, uh, let's say, a person died at 107 and had lost, uh, you know, hair quality had changed. The person will have perfect hair. A peak performance body, a body that will never, ever decay, a body that will never, ever die, an immortal body. We're told in Timothy that Jesus Christ broke the power of death and illuminated the path to immortality. The path to immortality is to repent of one's sins, make Jesus Christ Lord of one's life. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ into his death. Because if you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, your sin debt has been paid for. The Bible tells us to be baptized for the remission of our sins. In other words, the payment of our sin debt. And we receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit. God actually dwelling on the inside of our mortal body being with us forever and ever. Now, any person can hear from God, a believer or an unbeliever. But wouldn't you love to have the Holy Spirit, that part of God, the spirit form of God living on the inside of you? In other words, a 24-hour counselor. You don't have to wait. To see your counselor once a week, twice a week, you know, at your appointed time, you can have a counselor 24-7, 24-7. He's the best counselor, the perfect counselor. He knows all things, and he knows everything about you. Now let's continue talking about the harvest. So we heard about how God will bring the believers who have died back with him and their bodies will rise from the grave. Their spirit and soul will descend and will put on that new body. They will join together and the person will be restored three in one body, spirit, and soul forever and ever. And so shall the individual be with the Lord Jesus Christ forever. Now, what about people who have not died. So when Jesus Christ returns, there will be believers on the earth. How do we know that? Well, let's continue here in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're looking at verses 13 to 17 in preparation for talking about the earth-reaped prophecy in the book of Revelation. So then it says in verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth, We'll be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So how can we be caught up in the clouds? We transition, those of us who are here on the earth, from mortality to immortality. So God is a God of order. First, those who are in heaven, they have already died. But now they'll be alive again. What does that mean? They will be alive in a physical, tangible body that you can see, a body on this present earth, a body that can rise up. They're going to ascend into the clouds. And then there are those of us who are here on the earth. We, too, will transition from mortality Immortality Now when we listen to this earth reaped Prophecy it's going to Talk about It's going to talk about what happens To us believers who are here At the time of the second coming Now we just heard in 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4 It says Verse 17, then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. In other words, we'll be in our peak performance bodies at that point. So first the believers who have died transition from mortality to immortality. Then those of us who are here on the earth, we too transition from mortality to immortality And we get to rise up in the air to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. Now you say, are you sure about that? Let's hear one more scripture. You know, the Bible confirms itself talking about what happens to those of us who are here on the earth at the time of the second coming. Because when we go to the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verses 6 to 20, we're going to see a report of the earth being reaped. In other words, what happens to the believers who are in Christ when Jesus returns? That's reported. And what happens to those who take the mark of the beast who are there with the armies fighting against the armies of heaven? What happens to them? What about those individuals at the time of the second coming? And then also we'll hear, what happens to those who take the mark of the beast ultimately? What's their fate after the end of time? What's their fate for the eternities of eternities? You say, well, how can there be an end to time? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the beginning? The beginning of time. What's the end? The end of time. Well, how can time end? When we transition from the present earth to the new earth, all five of God's enemies will have been destroyed, who were God's five enemies, in the order of their destruction as reported in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death itself. When all five of God's enemies have been destroyed, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, it says, and the last enemy he destroys will be death. Who's that? Jesus Christ. When the last enemy God destroys, death, Is thrown into the lake of fire, God's strategy for destroying his enemies. We transition from this present earth, which we're told in Hebrews that it's going to wear out. This present earth is going to wear out. The present heavens are going to wear out, and it says God is going to fold them up like an old piece of clothing. And we transition to a new earth and new heavens. That's the final vision that John the Revelator has shown, the new earth prophecy. And so talking about the harvest, every person will transition either to eternal life on the new earth or to eternal damnation in the lake of fire that's the final the final outcome that's the trajectory that every human being will have the trajectory of life has a final destination of either the new earth or the lake of fire so let's talk about What happens to those of us who are going to be here on the earth? So the second coming of Jesus Christ is soon coming. Now, what's the prophetic timeline? We look forward to the rebuilding of the third temple, where the ashes of the tenth red heifer will be burned in ceremonies performed by those who are believing for their Messiah to come. When the green light is given for the third temple to be rebuilt what's that green light it's a peace sharing agreement there's coming a day an hour when a peace sharing agreement will be signed by governments of the world this world and it will say that the jews the jewish people are permitted to rebuild their third temple in israel and the muslims are permitted to continue to worship in their mosque on the temple mount so what's the peace sharing agreement in part it will facilitate the ability for the jewish people to worship their god in their temple on the temple mount right alongside with the muslim people who will worship their god in their mosque where on the temple mount So that signing of the peace-sharing agreement is the beginning of that period referred to in Daniel chapter 9. That period that is the ramp-up period to the revealing of the Antichrist to the entire world. When he stands in the rebuilt temple declaring that he is God. To the horror of every believer. To the horror of the Jewish people who will find out that the man they thought was their champion. The man that they thought had finally brought peace to the nation of Israel after Nearly 2,000 years after waiting since 1948, the Jewish people have been waiting to rebuild their temple, and he will have been a key player in the rebuilding of the Jewish temple. And now, after having uh, risen to prominence, he will rise to prominence. He will put down three kings, three of the leaders of the Ten Nation Alliance the ten-nation alliance that will dominate political and economic affairs, essentially being the center of the one world government for the new world order, the Antichrist as the mouthpiece for the ten-nation alliance described in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation and the 666 Antichrist prophecy. He will declare that he is God and he will say he's going to bring peace to the world. And the way that he's going to bring peace to the world is that he's going to destroy Israel. And he will go from being their greatest hero to being their greatest nightmare. Now, the great tribulation begins when the Antichrist declares that he is God. And it will last for a finite period of time. In other words, it's not forever. It might feel like forever for those of us who are here, but it will not be forever. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 12 that it'll be for 1,260 days. And it confirms itself in Revelation chapter 13 when it says it will be for 42 months. This is three and a half years. The wrath of Satan, which happens... By him having his will, his will realized, his agenda promoted through the actions of the Antichrist and the false prophet who will work in tandem. This period is followed by the wrath of God. So the wrath of Satan, during the wrath of Satan, who's appointed to the wrath of Satan? In other words, let me, let me use better words. Who are the individual subject to the wrath of Satan. Certainly it's not his own children. These are people forwarding his agenda. Those who take the mark of the beast are in line with Satan, and they will encourage others to take the mark of the beast. He has them. So during the great tribulation, who will it be tribulation for? It's not tribulation for the... Those who follow Satan and those uh, who promote his agenda, it's for those who reject Satan. In other words, the Great Tribulation is tribulation for the believers in Jesus Christ and for the descendants of Abraham uh, and Sarah, the children of the promised biological Israel who is there in the physical nation of Israel at that time described in revelation chapters 12 and 13 but the wrath of satan in other words the great tribulation it lasts for only three and a half years it's followed by the wrath of god described in revelation chapters 15 and 16 so the wrath of god begins with the first plague and it culminates with the seventh final plague. The seventh final plague includes but is not limited to the battle of Armageddon. Now this is very important. The battle of Armageddon with respect to the second coming happens at time B. Time A is the marriage of the Lamb. So we're talking about the second coming. Establish that There's the great tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan. It's followed by the wrath of God, which is the seven final plagues described in Revelation chapters 15 and 16. We'll be talking about the seven final plagues in the month of July. Every program, every secrets revealed, understand the book of Revelation from start to finish on the live broadcast here on PGN. We'll be talking exclusively about the seven final plagues for now Let me reference those uh, scriptures. The seven final plagues happen after the wrath of Satan. After the wrath of Satan is the wrath of God. It culminates with the battle of Armageddon, which is part of the seventh final plague. It's not the only thing that happens when the angel pours out the vial for the seventh final plague. Now, this is very important. With that seventh final play, we need to understand that the Battle of Armageddon is time B. The Battle of Armageddon, as discussed often on this program, but maybe this is your first time uh, listening. The Battle of Armageddon is the marriage supper. It is the wedding banquet described in the marriage supper prophecy in Revelation chapter 19. Verses 6 to 21. Before the wedding feast, the wedding banquet, the marriage supper, so just depending on what translation you're looking at, in Revelation 19, sometimes we see the language marriage supper, sometimes we see marriage banquet, sometimes we see wedding feast or wedding banquet, all the same thing. Before the marriage supper of the Lamb, There's the marriage of the Lamb. So time A is the marriage of the Lamb. Time B is the marriage supper of the Lamb. So what's the marriage of the Lamb? It's the first resurrection. It's what's described and what we heard earlier in our time today. It's. When Jesus Christ gets his forever family, when individuals transition from mortality to immortality, when he brings those back from heaven with him at the time of his second coming and their bodies rise from the grave and they put them on and so shall they be with the Lord forever. And it also includes those of us who are here, On the earth at the time of the second coming, we too rise up in the air to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds, and so shall we be with the Lord forever. Now it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, talking about those of us who are here on the earth, Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51, talking about the earth-reaped prophecy, getting a strong foundation. It says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret, and this program about the book of Revelation is all about secrets in the book of Revelation. It says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. Now, this is very important to understand. What is he telling us? But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. We will not all die. This is the wonderful secret, but we will all be transformed. So the marriage of the Lamb, which happens at time A of the second coming of Jesus Christ, includes two parts. Two parts. This is important for understanding the secrets we're going to see in the book of Revelation. In the earth rate prophecy, the marriage of the Lamb includes two parts. And those two parts are described right here. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. That's the first part of the harvest. And it says, and we who are living will also be transformed. What does that mean? We who are living in the blink of an eye, our bodies will transition from mortality to immortality. All of a sudden, if your knees hurt day and night or maybe when it rains, your knees will, you'll be totally pain-free. If you had hair discoloration, suddenly it'll be gone. If your skin, if you suffer from cystic acne, all of a sudden your your skin will be perfect. If you were missing an eye, all of a sudden you will have two eyes that are have 100% perfect vision. If you have one leg, if you have one leg that's longer than another, all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, when you transition from your mortal body to your immortal body, your body is transformed. It goes from having DNA that has maybe dozens, maybe hundreds of errors to being 100% error-free DNA. You go from having... A mortal body that can experience death to having an immortal body that will never, ever die. Continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're looking at verses 51 and 53. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, when does this happen? At time A, of the second coming. When our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's coming a day when you and I will experience in real time the reality of our triumph over death, and that time is soon coming. Every believer will triumph over death. Those believers who have fallen asleep, So, in other words, their bodies have been sown as seeds in the ground. Perhaps they're in the sea. Their bodies are sown into this present earth, and their souls and spirits reside with Jesus Christ in heaven. And then there are those of us who are here on the earth, and we will be here at the time of the second coming. So, two parts of the harvest, the marriage of the Lamb, is time A, and at time A, there are two parts of the harvest, A1 and A2. You guys may know I'm a statistics professor. I teach other things too. Um, so let's just call it A1 and A2. So at time A1, the second coming of Jesus Christ there's the marriage of the Lamb and those in heaven put on their immortal bodies at time a Two, those of us on this present earth, we transition, our bodies are transformed from mortal bodies to immortal bodies, and we rise up second, but close in time, in the same timing, we rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. And all of us, all of us experience victory at that time. And this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Victory for who? It's not victory for those who have taken the mark of the beast. It's not victory for those who died and who are disembodied spirits uh, in a prison of darkness in Hades. Those who await the second resurrection. It's victory only for those truth seekers who found and followed God's plan for salvation that existed at the time that the individual was on the earth. Now, if you were on the earth before Jesus Christ, that's a different plan for salvation. Uh, uh, it ultimately connects to Jesus Christ. But if you are here now, now, post death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your plan for salvation, that's the one you necessarily must know, right? You must know it. In order to triumph over death, that's in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Now, salvation is talked about in many places, right? In John, uh, other places in uh, the New Testament. But if you want the full plan for salvation, that uh, you can go to Acts two thirty-eight. That is what I, I recommend. Uh, but look at the Bible in its entirety. But you might say, this is... You might say, I've never heard of this thing called salvation. What does it mean in a nutshell? How do you transition from mortality to immortality? How do you, how do you become reconciled with your creator so that ultimately you are able to see your creator face to face and live on the new earth with your creator? God the Father is not coming back to this present earth. He's coming back to the new earth. Now, Jesus Christ is coming back to the present earth, but God the Father who resides in heaven, he wants to live with you and with me. But he can't because of the sin that's present on the earth. He cannot as a perfect God in his form, God the Father in the form that he is in, In, he is not able to be in the presence of corruption corruption cannot withstand the presence of god the father and so he gave himself a human body and in that human body transition from mortality to immortality jesus christ has the assignment to take out all of god's enemies he'll do it one by one Antichrist, false prophet, Satan, children of Satan, and ultimately death. After Jesus Christ has completed his assignment in its entirety with respect to destroying the five enemies of God, then God the Father will relocate his home from the present heaven to the new earth. Now, what is salvation? You know, this is a... a, One of those words that if you grew up in the secular world like I did, it sounds funny. Salvation, you know, all these, these, these words, you say, what does it mean? So in plain English, a person who experiences salvation is put in a position, is sufficiently and appropriately prepared for living on the new earth where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, no more mourning, no more grief. And the the person is sufficiently and appropriately prepared to be in a presence of a perfect God, God the Father in the form that he is in, as well as Jesus Christ. Now, even the unbelievers, even those who are not in a peak performance body, will get to see Jesus Christ if they are here uh, when he returns. But only, only those individuals whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be permitted to live on the new earth and to see God the Father face to face, as reported in Revelation chapter 22 in the new earth prophecy. I think, I think that you want that. I think that you want to live on the new earth where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more mourning, no more grief. Now let's talk about the second coming and we're going to the book of Revelation. We're going to hear the earth reaped prophecy. The earth reaped prophecy. Now, this is very important. We have talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to give us a foundation to understand that the harvest happens in two parts. So at time A of the second coming is the marriage of the Lamb. At time B is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And at time A, there's time A1 and time A2. At time A1, the first part of the harvest happens. At time A2, the second part of the harvest happens. What's the first part? The believers who have died, they put on their immortal bodies, and they rise up to meet Jesus Christ in the clouds. Okay, at time A-2, those of us who are here on the earth, our bodies are transformed in the blink of an eye from mortal bodies to immortal bodies. In Revelation chapter 14, we're about to hear a report of three things. What happens to those of us who are here on the earth? So in other words, we hear a report of the events reflecting time a Two. We also hear, remember at time A is the marriage of the Lamb, at time B is the marriage supper. We also hear a report of what happens at time B. So there's a first resurrection that happens in two parts. The marriage of the Lamb, the first resurrection, is the marriage of the Lamb. When Jesus Christ gets his forever body and his forever family is in their forever bodies, just like the body he's in. So after that, there's a battle of Armageddon. That's time B. That's the wedding banquet. It's referred to in Revelation chapter 19. So in this earth reaped prophecy, we hear about what happens at time B, but not for everyone. So at time B, the battle of Armageddon, again, there are two parts. Those who have taken the mark of the beast and who are in the armies that are led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world, The armies who have invaded Jerusalem, they think they are going to uh, destroy Jerusalem, uh, destroy the Jews and uh, Israel. But they're actually going uh, and they're going to, in fact, be destroyed themselves. So there are those who have taken the mark of the beast who are in the armies led by the Antichrist. And then there are those who have taken the mark of the beast who are elsewhere on the present earth at the time of Battle of Armageddon. So in this prophecy, it specifically focuses on what happens to individuals who are on the earth, who are in Christ, and what happens to individuals who are on the earth, who have taken the mark of the beast, and who are in the armies of the Antichrist. So that's what this prophecy focuses on. It also gives a report of what is the ultimate, in other words, the final destination of every person who's taken the mark of the beast. There's also a report of that. But remember, let me pause there. Okay. Um, Let me circle back. So what I was going to say is those who have taken the mark of the beast, they are going to fall asleep. Every person who's taken the mark of the beast is going to experience a normal death because they dwell in a mortal body. And they will be resurrected, but not until the thousand years are completed, as reported in Revelation chapter 20. What's the thousand years? the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. So let's go to the earth reap prophecy. It's in Revelation chapter 14. I'm so excited to uh, unlock these secrets with you and for us to hear uh, these secrets in Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 to 20. Let's hear the earth reap prophecy. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news, to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, fear God, he shouted, give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon has fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It's been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels in the lamp, the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down, blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work. For their good deeds, follow them. Now, that is the trailer. That's the movie trailer. In other words, that's the abstract for the earth reap prophecy. So, this gives us a synopsis. A synopsis, a movie trailer. Um, Now, we're going to go and we're... Now, when we continue... You'll see in each statement of prophecy in the book of Revelation, it has what we call in professional writing an abstract. In other words, that's a summary. It's the equivalent of a movie trailer. you think about a movie, and then followed by the movie trailer is the movie in its entirety. So, for example, recently I went to see The Little Mermaid. Before going to see The Little Mermaid, I saw the movie trailer, when I went to see the movie, I was not confused when the movie began and it began with a scene before any scenes that were in the movie trailer. And then as I watched the movie, as we watched the movie, all the scenes, uh, all or most of the scenes from the movie trailer appeared somewhere in the movie, but I wasn't confused because I understand how that works. So one Of the secrets that you must know to unlock these 12 visions that appear in the book of Revelation is that each one is like that so John the Revelator is shown the movie trailer for the documentary in other words the statement of prophecy and then he's shown the movie in its entirety so what happened in this movie trailer it begins with three angels addressing the people who belong to this world. So in the book of Revelation, whenever it refers to people who belong to this world, that's those individuals whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. So the people who belong to this world, those are the people who will participate in the second resurrection as well as the great white throne judgment that immediately follows. The people who belong to the kingdom of God participate in the first resurrection. So when the angel is shouting to the people of this world and says it's time for judgment, that's talking about uh, the seven final plagues and the events uh, leading up to it, including, uh, let me pause there. Um, And then we hear ultimately what happens to all the people who belong to this world. How ultimately they will not only experience God's uh, wrath, but they'll be tormented with fire and burning and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. They'll have no relief day and night. That's in verse 11 of chapter 14. Well, when does that happen? It doesn't happen at the time of the second coming when they're tormented day and, and night. No, it happens after They die. They experience the first death, and then they're in a prison of darkness in Hades. That's a physical location under the earth. As disembodied spirits and souls, they're two in one instead of being three in one. They reside there until the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ uh, has happened. Then they participate in the second resurrection for the purposes of having their case heard and tried at the great white throne judgment. So we hear all that in the movie trailer for the earth Reap prophecy, and we're told God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their fe- faith in Jesus. Uh, this is talking about the reality that during the great tribulation, The assignment of the people of God is to endure persecution and to instruct many. Here it talks about the assignment, the part that's enduring persecution patiently. The assignment during the Great Tribulation is not to rise up with the Christian army because uh, the army of man will not defeat the armies of the Antichrist. It's the armies of heaven led by Jesus Christ that will defeat the Antichrist at the appointed hour and time. And on that day, what day is that? That's the day of the battle of Armageddon. Jesus Christ will fight and win that uh, war. Now let's go to the actual movie, the details. Now we get the drill down, the full movie. Uh, let's hear it. Begins with verse 14 and ends with verse 21. Then I saw a white cloud and seated on the cloud was someone like the son of man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Let me say, in Revelation chapter 1, the Son of Man, it's clear that it is Jesus Christ. So when you see someone like the Son of Man in the book of Revelation several times, that's referring to Jesus Christ. So just due to time constraints, I'm not going to go there now, but if you want confirmation of that, please, it's found in Revelation chapter 1. So this tells us that sitting on a white cloud is Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. Then I saw a white cloud and seated on the cloud was someone like the son of man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. So now that we're in the full movie, the full documentary, We're beyond the movie trailer. We're in the full movie for the Earthreak prophecy. We've gone back in time. We're not confused, though, because we understand that that's how these prophecies work. John the Revelator is shown the movie trailer, then the full movie. So now um, we're not after the people were thrown into the lake of fire where they're tormented forever and ever. Now we're at the point of time A, the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is seated on a cloud. So it hasn't happened yet. Then I saw a white cloud and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. So this is the beginning of the events that happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Verse 13 says, Then another angel came from the temple and shouted, To the one sitting on the cloud, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So an angel announces, an angel comes from the temple of God in heaven and shouts to Jesus Christ who is now sitting on a cloud. Swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So this is referring to those individuals who were on the earth at time A. So the one sitting on the cloud, that's Jesus Christ, swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. So this is what happens to uh, at time A2. At time A1, the people in heaven put on their immortal bodies that rose from the grave and they met Jesus Christ in the clouds. Now at time a two, what about those who are on the earth? It says in verse 16. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. That's that secret. That's what's described in first Thessalonians chapter four in first Corinthians uh, chapter 15, 51 and 52. That's the part where those of us who are here on the earth are transformed and we too rise up second to meet Jesus Christ. Where? In the clouds. Where is he sitting? On a cloud. It says right here in verse 15, he shouted to the one sitting on the cloud. And what do we do? Those of us who are here on the earth, we rise up to meet him in the air as he sits on the cloud. Okay. Okay. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. That's the first resurrection. Now we continue. What else happens? What else happens when the earth is reaped at the time of the second coming? So at time a, there's the marriage of the lamb at time B. There's the marriage supper of the lamb, the marriage of the lamb. That's the first resurrection. The marriage supper of the Lamb is the Battle of Armageddon, time A and time B at a second coming. So now we're going to hear about what happens at time B. Verses 17 to 20 are all about time B. It's time for the Battle of Armageddon. Where is the Battle of Armageddon going to be fought? Is it going to be fought in Hong Kong? Is it going to be fought in Geneva? Will it be fought in Houston? Will it be fought in Washington, D.C.? No, it will be fought in a specific location. It's not a worldwide war. It's a singular battle fought in a specific location, which is Israel. Now let's hear how... Those who have taken the mark of the beast and who are in the armies of the Antichrist, let's hear what happens to them at time B. That's at the time on that day of the battle of Armageddon. Verse 17, continuing. So, after it says, so the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. We just talk about, talked about what that is. Now is what happens next. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. I want to share with you what God showed me about this. How does the angel load the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. And it says, so the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of God's wrath. But the one sitting on the cloud, the one who was someone like the son of man, Jesus Christ, he swings his sickle, And those of us who are here on the earth, we transition from mortality to immortality, but with respect to those who take the mark of the beast and who are in the armies led by the antichrist and the Kings of the world, Jesus Christ doesn't swing his sickle. An angel swings his sickle over the earth to load those individuals into the great wine press. Now, what is that talking about? That's talking about Revelation chapter 16 verses verse 12. So all the those who have taken the mark of the beast and who are in the armies led by the antichrist and the kings of the earth, they come to the specific location that has been appointed for the Battle of Armageddon. So in Revelation 15, and let me tell you this secret before I I read the Bible verses that reveal it. The armies of the world, they will include some troops from Russia, some troops from Egypt, I'm sorry, I meant to say some troops from Libya, some troops from Ethiopia, and other nations. So this is described in Ezekiel. It's described in Isaiah. And it's described here in the book of Revelation. So what's the secret also referenced in the earth reap prophecy? The angel loads the grapes into God's great wine press. The armies of the world need to come to the specific location that has been appointed for the day and the hour of the Battle of Armageddon. This location is in Israel. How will they get there? They're going to travel the path of the Euphrates River. You say, well, how can they travel the path of the Euphrates River? When the sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, it's going to dry up. And it dries up because... They are going to decide. This is how we're going to get to exactly where we need to go to take out Israel. Let's hear it. Verses, verse 12 of Revelation chapter 16. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up, so that the kings from the east could march their armies toward the west without hindrance. And I saw three evil spirits that look like frogs leap from the mouths of the dragon, that's Satan, the beast, that's the Antichrist, and the false prophet. They are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God, the almighty. So judgment happens in phases here. When it's talking about that great judgment day it's talking about the events leading up to and including the battle of Armageddon. Look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief blessed are all who are watching for me who keep their clothing ready So they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. So that's Revelation chapter 16, verses 12 to 16. So the armies are gathered together to a specific place. And this place is not Garland, Texas, or Washington, D.C., or Mexico City, Mexico all wonderful places. It's not London, England. It is that place in Israel. It's the place referred to in the Bible. It's in Israel. The demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. And this place they will get to all of these grapes, will get there by traversing the path of the Euphrates River. That's how they will get there in horses, maybe in tanks, maybe on foot, maybe all three. But that's the path that they will take and they are gathered together. So going back to where we are in Revelation chapter 14, how does the angel gather them? Well, it tells us here. In Revelation 14, in the earth reaped prophecy. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, swing the sickle for the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the whole earth was harvested. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So when the one sitting on the cloud, Jesus Christ swings his sickle. That's time a two. That's when those of us who are here at the time of the second coming, we participate in the marriage of the land. We marriage of the lamb. We transition from mortality to immortality. We rise up second to join those who rose first to meet Jesus Christ in the air at time B It's the time for the battle of Armageddon. The angel gathers the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, and they are ripe for judgment. What's their judgment? Oh, it depends on where an individual is, but these clusters of grapes refer specifically to the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world. And it refers to the Antichrist and the false prophet and satan now let's hear about it so the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great wine press of god's wrath this is the battle of armageddon verse 20 the end of the earth reaped prophecy says the grapes were trampled where they trampled in israel when at the time of the battle of armageddon time b of the second coming the grapes were trampled in the wine press outside the city what city jerusalem and blood flowed from the wine press in a stream about one hundred and eighty miles long and as high as a horse's bridle, now, you might say, "Well, I think that the great wine press refers to god 's wrath unleashed upon everyone who has taken the mark of the beast. No, it doesn't refer to that because some who take, some who have taken the mark of the beast will continue to live. After the second coming of Jesus Christ, although ultimately they will experience death because they continue to dwell in a mortal body. Some will die at the time of the second coming. How do we know that? This is referring to those who die because they are in the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world. They will die Along with the Antichrist and the false prophets, it's in Revelation chapter 19. Let's hear about the end. So in Revelation chapter 19... Verses 6 to 21, that's the marriage supper prophecy. It's the prophecy about what happens at time B. In September, we'll be talking only about the marriage supper prophecy. For now, we're unlocking the secrets of the earth-reaped prophecy. So at the end of chapter 14, when it says the angel loads the grapes into the great wine press of God, what is this talking about? It's talking about when the angel pours out the sixth vial, and the Euphrates River dries up supernaturally and All of the people, the Antichrist and the false prophet and those individuals in the armies, they come to Israel, to the appointed location for the battle of Armageddon. They're loaded into the wine press. And then, as reported in Revelation uh, chapter 19, uh, verse 20, verses 20 and 21, A hundred percent of these grapes that are loaded into the great wine press, they are destroyed by the sword, the two-edged sword that comes from the mouth of Jesus Christ. They all die. A hundred percent of the people who are in the armies of the Antichrist, they all die. And when they die, as reported here in the Earth Reaped Prophecy, what is the outcome of these grapes on the earth who are loaded into the great white the great wine press of God's wrath? The outcome is that they lose the battle of Armageddon. And not only do they lose the battle of Armageddon, but they lose their mortal lives. They become disembodied spirits, they transition to a prison of darkness in Hades. What happens to their mortal bodies? The blood flows. There's so many in these armies, armies described in uh, Revelation chapter 19. There's so many that the blood flows from them and their horses, all the animals that uh, come with them. But talking about the humans that are in the armies of, led by the Antichrist, the armies of the world that have come to fight against the Jewish people, their blood flows for 180 miles, and it's about as high as a horse's bridle. So this is Revelation 14. I want to go to Bible Hub to look at this scripture with you. Now, depending on uh, Revelation 14:20, depending on what version of the trans which translation of the Bible you're looking at, it might say, for example, if you're in the King James Bible, it says, Blood came out of the wine press even unto the horse's bridle by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. So that's sixteen hundred furlongs. In the New Living Translation is described as 180 miles of blood. If you're looking at uh if you're looking at the NIV it says, um, "And blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridle for a distance of 1,600 stadia." If you're looking at uh, if you're looking at the contemporary English version, the CEV translation of the Bible, it says, "The blood turned into a river that was about 300 kilometers long. And almost deep enough to cover a horse. Again, what is this blood described at the end of Revelation chapter 14, verse 20? This is a river of blood that's generated from the mortal bodies that have perished as a result of experiencing the two-edged sword that extends from the mouth of Jesus Christ at the time of, of the battle of Armageddon. So time A is the first resurrection at the second coming. Time B is the battle of Armageddon and at the battle of Armageddon, which is specifically in Israel, a hundred percent of those in the armies of the Antichrist, the armies of the world led by the Antichrist, a hundred percent of those individuals will experience a mortal death and their bodies, the blood from their bodies, that carnage, it will create a river of blood about 300 kilometers long and as high as uh, about five feet, some translations say. Uh, let me give you that. So in the New Living Translations, it says about as high as a horse's bridle. Um and then some translations say about as high as five feet. OK, so about 180 miles long and about as high as five feet, as high as a horse's bridle. Um, so again, now we know what this 180 miles of blood that's flowing. It's a river of blood from the losers of the Battle of. the the Battle of Armageddon. Now, what happens to the Antichrist and false prophet at the Battle of Armageddon? So the earth-reaped prophecy is all about what happens at time A2 and what happens at the Battle of Armageddon, time B. Let's go to Revelation 19. Uh, We'll be talking about the Battle of Armageddon and its prophecy, the Marriage Supper prophecy in September. But let's go now there Uh, To Revelation chapter 19, verse 21, it says their entire army, this is the last verse in the Battle of Armageddon prophecy, the marriage supper prophecy, Revelation chapter 19, verse 21, it says their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. So, the 180 miles of blood in the Earth reap prophecy, again, telling us about what happens when the Earth is harvested, and specifically what happens to the grapes that are loaded into the great wine press. They perish. How do they perish? Verse 21 of Revelation 19 reveals how they perish. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. Who's that? That's Jesus Christ. Verse 11 of chapter um, 19 of the book of Revelation says, Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True. Later it says, On his robe at his side was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Who's that? That's Jesus Christ. And the vultures all gorge themselves on the dead bodies. That's the end of verse 21. Why? Why do the vultures gorge themselves? That's the wedding banquet. That's the great feast prepared for who? The vultures. How do we know? It says in verse 17 of chapter 19, Then I saw an angel standing in the sun shouting to the vultures flying high in the sky. Come gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. So the great banquet, the marriage supper, the wedding feast, it's not for the bride of Christ. We're not cannibals. It's for the vultures. It's God's cleanup plan for this 180 miles of blood and human flesh. It says, come, gather together for the great banquet God has prepared. Come and eat the flesh of kings, generals, and strong warriors, of horses and their riders. And of all humanity, both free and slave, small and great, all of humanity where? Not all of humanity in Canada. Not all of humanity in Africa. Not all of humanity in Australia. Not all of humanity in uh, Japan. All of humanity... At the Battle of Armageddon, everyone else in Israel has already participated uh, in the harvest. That's the 144,000 first fruits prophecy. And those who were there at the Battle of Armageddon, so not elsewhere in Israel, but specifically at the location in Jerusalem at the Battle of Armageddon, It says their entire army was killed. Now, take on point. In the earth reap prophecy, the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth who are ripe for judgment refers specifically to those who have taken the mark of the beast and who are in the armies led by the Antichrist and the kings of the world. So they will be killed and there will be a hundred. 80 mile river, 180 mile long river of blood that includes their flesh. That is the final secret of the earth reap prophecy. You say, well, this sounds gruesome. Listen, it is gruesome. War is ugly, but the good news is, is that the battle of Armageddon is the last war that will ever be fought on this present earth and there will be no war on the new earth to come but the battle of armageddon is the final war if you've ever wondered when will we have peace isaiah chapter 9 says and of the increase of his government and his peace talking about the government of jesus christ that will be established after he fights and wins the battle of armageddon It says, and of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. So the battle of Armageddon is the beginning of peace on this earth. So after it is fought and won, there will never, ever be another battle. There will never, ever be another war waged in righteousness. It's the final war. It's the war to end all wars. Friend and truth seeker, thank you for being with me and with us. I want to encourage you to share any questions or comments you'd like to make about the book of Revelation with me and with us. You can do that by calling in during the live broadcast. Our PGM phone number is 1-319-527-6027. That's the number to use uh, for this program. Remember the new number if you're listening to Prophet Randy Chandler Monday through Thursday beginning at 9 p.m. Texas time, 10 p.m. Eastern time, that phone number is one three one nine five two seven six seven three seven. 527 6737 right? If you're calling in to listen to this program, you use the old PGN number. Our first PGN number that's one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. Now you can text in your question. If you have a follow-up question, whether you're listening live or maybe you're listening to this by downloading it from Apple Podcast or another site, you can still text in your comment, your uh, question about the Book of Revelation using our PGN text number. It's one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. You can do that twenty-four seven one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. When you text in your comment or question, it'll go to Prophet Randy Chandler. He will share it with me and I will follow up in a future broadcast. Future live broadcast. Now let me let me share with you the schedule for the remainder of twenty twenty three. In July we'll be talking about Revelation chapters fifteen and sixteen. The seven plagues prophecy so the seven final plagues that culminate with the battle of armageddon we'll be talking about that in july every broadcast on july of 2023 in august we'll be talking about the purple and scarlet prophecy what about when that great city mystery babylon when that great city mystery babylon falls the purple and scarlet prophecy we'll be talking about that revelation chapter 17 and 18 and verses 1 to 5 of 19. In August, in September, we'll be talking about the Marriage Supper Prophecy. In October, the Dead Judged, uh, the Millennial Rain Prophecy. In October, we'll be talking about the Millennial Rain Prophecy. In November, the Dead Judged Prophecy about the Great White Throne Judgment. And in December, the New Earth Prophecy. So please schedule a time to be with us. Listen live if your schedule permits. If it doesn't, set aside a time to listen, to, uh, to listen from the archive. You can do that by going to blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. Thank you for being with me and with us. I encourage you, according to Jeremiah 3, call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.